0: Thank you, Brother Steve and I appreciate that so much. I'm trying to I'm trying to remember how we met.
1: Yeah, that's a good question.
0: Usually I can remember somewhere where we ran across our path somewhere. Couples retreat? No. No? It was a, nope. Nope. It was a Anyway, I'm glad we met. How's that? <laughs> so it's been, it's been it's actually so it's been at least uh, five plus years at least, at least at that there yeah, yeah. and uh, we did enjoy the trip believe it or not uh, I think i was so overwhelmed we didn't take a lot of pictures well we took a lot of pictures I didn't take a lot of notes oh. and I should have taken a cue from some of the ladies there that I mean they had notebooks and notebooks and they were doing a lot but I, I did share with the folks that when we were up on I am um, trying to think up on um, within the mountaintop we were up there at was it Nebo? Oh, Mount Nebo, Joy. Yeah. And uh, you had given your presentation there, and I don't know if we had told you about a young guy who came running. The wife and I were walking away from the group, and because uh, we were dispersed at that point, and he came running up to us and said, uh, You're Americans? And he said, Yeah. And he said, Well, he said, I found the talk very uh, oh. interesting. Yes. So we actually had the opportunity on top of Mount Nebo to present him with the gospel. And then he came and he talked with you. Do mm-hmm. you remember him yeah, again? I remember that. So, yeah. Yes. I can't, I, was his first name David? I think it was... Uh, would a young man. Yeah, it was a young man, but it was just interesting that they, there was three of those guys that were sitting there, standing there, listening to the whole thing there, and he was just really mesmerized by it. And so, if you're young enough... <laughs> And uh, you don't mind uh, a little bit of heat, you can go over there to Israel and enjoy it uh, for sure. Now, I, I told the wife, I said, we're going to give an arm and a leg. If we, had to, if we go back, we're going first class all the way. <laughs> I'm not going to be cramped up in this tiny little space there yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. to, to yeah. be there. because And uh, I am going to learn to take a sleeping pill. <laughs> We helped you go to sleep because we didn't sleep for 10 hours over with a mask on our face, and uh, oh, by the time we got to, we were exhausted, literally exhausted. But uh, it, it was a good trip, and uh, we enjoyed that uh, immensely. And uh, I, even now, as I go through the Bible and I'm reading certain passages of Scripture, certain places come to mind that, that we had seen. Because what I really had up here was altogether different than what actually is there. Right. And I'm sure that over the centuries things have changed considerably as well. But uh, it was a real eye-opener so brother why don't you come and share with God thank you appreciate you, brother
1: thank you so much man we had a really really good time in Israel and I cannot wait to get back there again and uh, we're hoping Lord willing maybe by March or sometime in the spring 2024 uh, we can bring groups over there uh, to Israel you can still go over there, but people right now just make the decision not to go over there uh, in the present, which I, I respect that. I was supposed to go October the 16th, and they uh, canceled on us when the war broke out on October uh, the 7th. But I'm hoping and praying that maybe uh, we can get back at least for the, the gospel outreaches for either uh, January, February. We'll see how that, uh, how that works out. But if you've never been uh, to Israel, you need to go. Check it out because... Well, you read in the Bible, and then when you see out there, just going to put everything into perspective, amen? And uh, we did, uh, a, I think, 10 days between Israel and Jordan. Now, we go over to Jordan because Jordan's also going to play a major role in Bible prophecy in the not-too-distant future. So we went to North Jordan to, as preacher said, Mount Nebo. Well, that is where Moses, uh, some 3,500 years ago, viewed the Promised Land. And when uh, Pastor Gangwer and all of our group were standing right there on Mount Nebo, we were viewing the area of the Promised Land where Moses would have viewed it some 3,500 years ago. I mean, we're looking at Jericho in the distance. We're looking at the Dead Sea uh, to our left. It was absolutely uh, amazing. And you got to see these things with your own eyes. Then we get in our tour bus. We'll drive about maybe two and a half hours all the way to South Jordan, to a place called Petra. You've heard of Petra, right? Petra, in the future, will play a major role in Bible prophecy because we believe that is where God is going to shelter the Jewish people for the last three and a half years of the tribulation period when they flee from the Antichrist, when he breaks his peace treaty with Israel in Daniel 9 and verse number 27. Now we know Petra will be the geographical location, even though we don't find the word Petra in the Bible, the geographical location is there based on my reading of Isaiah chapter 16, 1 and 4, Isaiah 26, 20, Isaiah 63, 1 through 6, Revelation 12, 6, and Revelation 12:14. That will be ground zero for God feeding, protecting, and sheltering the surviving Jewish remnant for at least the last half of that 1,260 days of the last of the seven-year period of tribulation. So we got to see that firsthand. I taught Bible prophecy on location at Mount Nepo, uh, there at uh, Petra, and of course, rest of the time in Israel. Why? Israel is going to be our home in the future, specifically the city of Jerusalem. That is where the kingdom will emanate from for 1,000 years. See, you can live 70 to 80 years an American, but you're going to live 1,000 years an Israeli. (laughs) Let that sink in a little bit there, okay? Because that's going to be your home in the kingdom to come. We call this the millennial kingdom reign of Jesus Christ. I had a guy tell me one time, I don't believe in the millennium. I said, may I ask why? He says, yeah, I don't find it in the Bible. I said, you're absolutely right. It's not in the Bible. Okay, well, why do you use the term millennium? Well, it comes from what we do find in the Bible. Revelation chapter 20, 2 through 7, tells us six times, a thousand years, 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 a thousand years. If you take that term thousand years, it comes from two Latin words. Malay, thousand, thousand. Anum, years. So you combine Malay, Anum, what do we get? Millennium. Millennium. One thousand years. Same thing with the rapture. You got Christians today, they say they they no longer believe in the doctrine of the rapture because I don't find the word rapture in the Bible. And again, they are correct. So why do we use the word rapture? It comes from the Latin rapturo, which is the first person plural future indicative passive tense it simply means to seize or to snatch away that's rapture the Greek is haparzo where we get the English word harpoon to harpoon in reel it in like in those old Moby Dick movies they harpoon the whale and they uh, reel the whale and one day we're going to be harpooned taken up reeled up into heaven or seize snatch away raptural, or we get the English word rapture I and mean, so that's why we use uh, these terms Jesus Christ is coming back on a day and hour in which we least expect it. Amen? Listen, the rapture is dateless, man. You can't put a date on the rapture. There are no signs that precede it, and there are no prophecies that must be fulfilled. It's imminent. It could happen at any moment, and it could happen right now. This service could come to an end right now with a shofar, Sounding from heaven. Now, why do I say shofar? A shofar refers to a. You know what this is here, right? Rams. That's a ram's horn. I just got this in Israel this past uh, June. It has the hand-carved lion of the tribe of Judah on it, from Revelation chapter five, and verse number five. Shofar is Hebrew for ram's horn. Everyone say shofar. Shofar, Shofar's so good. Your Hebrews getting better. Amen. That's a shofar. It is a trumpet. Now, how do I know that a shofar is an actual biblical trumpet in the Bible? Well, because I just read my King James Bible. I read Joshua chapter 6, verses 4, 5, 6, 8, 13. Five times it says, the priest blew the trumpet of ram's horn. Ram's horn in the Bible is shofar. See, he was getting even better. I like it. Now, this is my shofar. That one down there is my Yemenite shofar. This is Pastor's shofar. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. Couldn't resist. It's probably the last time you've seen me here again. Just, you know, I just couldn't resist. But, <laughs> but it's going to sound, folks. And when it does, listen, it's going to be so loud. All the born-again dead coming up. Right out of those graves, man. And then Christians alive at the time of the rapture, pow, caught up. Again, that's haparzo in the Greek. Caught up. Rapturo in the Latin. Caught up. Seized. Snatched. Taken out. And he's going to take us into heaven. Now help me out. When he takes us to heaven at the rapture, we will be in heaven for. Brief, brief, seven years while the earth below is going through a what? Seven year period of tribulation. And everything that we see going on in the world, in Israel, the war in Israel, the war with Hamas, the perilous time stage that we were just talking about during Sunday school, it's all in lockstep with what the Jewish prophets and the Jewish apostles said would happen in these very days that we're living in right now. So Jesus Christ must be coming sooner rather than later. He could come at any moment. But I also must admit that one of the most abused doctrines out there today, I mean abused, is Bible prophecy. It's abused, it's misused, and it's leading to people becoming confused. That shouldn't be the case, amen? If we're going to study Bible prophecy, we must study it for its plain sense interpretation. Why? The Bible is its best own interpreter. Right? So why don't we just leave it like that? The Bible interprets the Bible. It does not need the help of August Rosado. It doesn't need the help of some theologian out there. The Bible, the word of God, stands on its own. If the plain sense makes sense, don't look for any other sense or you're going to end up with nonsense, (laughs) right? And when it comes to prophecy, there is so much nonsense that is out there today. I mean, people just go way off the deep end when it comes to eschatology, the doctrine of last things. And that's why the world doesn't take Bible prophecy seriously anymore. Why? Christians abuse it. We must stay within the perimeters of God's word. Compare scripture with scripture. We call that inductive Bible study. When you compare scripture with scripture, it gives you more information concerning a person, a place, an event, a thing, amen? We must apply inductive Bible study. We must stay within the bounds of the word of God. That's what we're going to do this morning, Now, one lady approached me this morning. She had no idea that I was going to preach on this message. She said, Brother Zotto, what, what do you think about the verse in Genesis 12:3? I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee. I said, you had no idea. I was going to preach that this morning. She said, no. I'm like, well, here you go. God is always on time, amen? <laughs> He's always on time. He's always in control. Listen, I might not agree with... A lot of the political aspects that's going on within the government of the state of Israel. You know, because it is a secular government. It's secular. But I do know what the Bible says about blessing those who bless Israel. Right? And cursing those who curse Israel. That's what I want to talk about uh, this morning. Now listen, I know you can smell the videos down there. I know you can, because I know I can smell it, okay? Listen, I I like the fellowship, but I also like the belly ship. Okay? So we're not going to take long uh, with this message, so we can go down there, get a little belly shipping going on, and then when you get your full of belly ship, we'll come back up here for the afternoon service, in which I'm going to talk about when will this generation end. We're going to clear up some misconceptions concerning that word generation. Is it an elongated period of time? Is it 80 years? Is it 70 years? Is it 40 years? Is it even a time period at all? We're going to look at that this afternoon. I just recently wrote my brand new book, When Will This Generation? And you can pre-order that book at the end of the service. As a matter of fact, we do have an eight-book offer. And you can take advantage of the books I've written on Bible prophecy. My first wife, okay, she's right there. Patty, raise your hand. There she is right there. My first wife of 35 years, um, she will help you with any book orders or anything we have there on the table. All right, let's get into it. So we're going to go to the book of Genesis. We're going to go to, well, you you're first you're going to probably say, well, Genesis 12, right? No, let's go to Genesis 32. Genesis chapter number 32. Genesis 32, and we're going to look at verses 24 through 28. Genesis 32, and we're going to begin in verse number 24. I will bless them that bless thee, and I will curse them that curseth thee. We see a blessing and a warning in this same verse. We'll get to that verse in a few minutes. But I want to give you the background here. So we're going to look at Genesis uh, 32. And here we have Jacob, Yaakov in Hebrew, in a wrestling match. It's not WWF or WWE, whatever you want to call it. This is the real deal here, amen. And somebody got injured here. And look at verse number 24 with me of Genesis chapter number 32. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the break-in of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint, and he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince, thou hast power with God and with man, and hast prevailed. Wow. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, gracious God in heaven, thank you once again for allowing me to stand behind this sacred desk in your house, Lord, to worship you this morning, to magnify and glorify your holy and righteous name. Lord, we know that in the future one day, as Brother A.J. read this morning, you will reign as King Melech over all the earth. One day the Lion of the tribe of Judah will establish his kingdom in the holy city of Jerusalem. And we who know the Lord Jesus as personal Savior will reign with him during that 1,000-year kingdom. And one day Jerusalem will be the capital, not just of the Jewish people now, but of planet Earth. And Israel will be the head of the nations. And so, Father, I pray that we would be attentive this morning Take notes, and Lord, if there is someone here and they do not have that assurance of going to heaven when they die, or if they'll even be ready for that next event we call the rapture of the church, I pray that today, this morning, at Calvary Baptist Church, that they will settle that, and by faith, call upon the name of the Lord. Be born again through the Spirit of God and be ready for either one or two things, either death or the next main event On God's calendar of activities we call the rapture of the church. Father, thank you for what you're about to do now. And we pray, Maranatha, even so come, Lord Jesus. For it's in his precious name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Now we read of an event that takes place, not in Israel, but east of the state of Israel. East of the Jordan River. And what is today the Hashemite Kingdom of Jordan now I had the opportunity to see this place and you did too brother and I'm going to show you a picture that should ring a bell with you took a picture of this place where Jacob is wrestling with the angel now as we were driving by our Jordanian tour guide said this is the river or in Hebrew Yod uh, Beit Kaf." Yabok, Yabok or the Jabok River. You're looking, and it stretches, you're looking at the area where Jacob fought or wrestled with this angel nearly 4,000 years ago. We weren't even supposed to stop there. But when he said, oh, uh, by the way, to your right would be the Jabok River where Jacob wrestled with the angel. I said, stop the bus! <laughs> Imagine they put the brakes on. He's like, "Well, listen, this is on a bridge." Now I took this from picture from the bridge. He said the whole group can't get out. I said, "Just let me get out." So they let me get out. Went over there and I took the picture of the Jabbok where you see people they were bathing in there just walking around. This is where that event in uh, Genesis thirty-two took place some four thousand years ago. Jacob, Yaakov in Hebrew. He interacts with a divine being at that area we're looking at on the screen right now, the Yabok or the Jabok uh, River. Now that word, Yabok or Jabok, is related to the word wrestling or wrestled. So he is wrestling with a divine being. But who is he wrestling with? The Bible says that Jacob wrestles with a man until the break-in, of the day, or until the dawn. Now, some theologians uh, would identify this man as the pre-incarnate appearance of the Messiah, a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. Others would identify this man that Jacob is wrestling with as Malach in Hebrew or with the angel. And many theologians would love to cite uh, he, uh, Hosea chapter 12 and verse number 4 where it says, Yea, he had power over the angel and prevailed. See, this is a parallel passage I'm showing here. He wept and made supplication unto him. He found him in, in Bethel and there he spake with us. So it says there in Hosea chapter 12 verse 4 that Jacob had power over the angel. He prevailed over this angel, and because Jacob wrestled and prevailed over a divine being, he was blessed and his name was changed. Now, I believe that this angel was indeed the pre incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why would I say that? If you look with me in verse number um, 30. Look at uh, Genesis 32 and verse number 30. Notice what Jacob said after his thigh got knocked out of joint. Look at verse 30. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen who? God. <laughs> That's what it says right there, right? I have seen God face to face. And look at this. And my life is preserved. So no doubt this was the pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ as the malach in Hebrew, as the angel of the Lord. Jacob was relentless and he refused to let go of this angel. And the angel, knowing that he could not prevail over Jacob, knocked Jacob's thigh out of joy and crippled him, as we read in verse number 25. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him. He touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint, and he wrestled with, here you have a mortal Jacob prevailing over someone who is immortal, a divine being, a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, Jacob is blessed by this angel of the Lord Jacob refuses to let the angel go until the angel blesses Jacob. The blessing of Jacob also, ladies and gentlemen, constituted the changing of his name from Yaakov. Jacob, the heel. The heel catcher. The supplanter. The deceiver. And now the angel changes his name to Israel. May God prevail for. Him Jacob is now recognized as a prince with God, not a supplanter, not a deceiver, but now a prince with God. The changing of his name would represent a nation and a special people in God's eyes. The apple of God's eye, God's chosen people, the Jewish people. Jacob got a hold of God, and he would not let go until God blessed him. Jacob prevailed and was blessed. Another parallel passage that I want to point out to you would be 2 Kings chapter 17 and verse number 34. Again, inductive Bible study. We are applying here. You compare Scripture with Scripture. Unto this day they do after the former manners. They fear not the Lord. Neither do they after their statues, or after their ordinances, or after the law and commandment which the Lord commanded the children of Jacob, who he named Israel. Israel. So we see this in Genesis 32, 28, and right there, 2 Kings chapter 17, and verse number 34. His name changed from the supplanter, the deceiver, to Israel, a prince with God, or I will fight for you. This is why the angel wanted to know Jacob's name. Because he wanted to properly bless him, which in this case also constitutes the change of his name. A change of name that alluded, ladies and gentlemen, to the promises in the future, the promises and the success for the future of the Jewish people. And folks, we know the promises of the Abrahamic covenant. Let's, let's back up to Genesis 12. Let's back up to Genesis chapter 12. Let's look at the aspects of the Abrahamic covenant here. Genesis chapter number 12, verses 1 through 3. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. The Abrahamic covenant in Genesis chapter 12 are those promises that are still in for us today as they were when God revealed this to Abram almost 4,000 years ago. They are still in force today. There is a blessing here, but there is also a warning here. Look at the aspects of the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis 12. Now the Lord has said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house unto a land, that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, singular. And I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God is unambiguous here. He is making it very clear here. When you bless the people of Abraham, God said, I will bless you. When you curse the people of Abraham, God said, I will curse you as well. To bless Israel is for God to bless you. To curse Israel is to ask for trouble. You are asking for serious trouble. Because in Zechariah chapter 2, verse 8, God said, He that toucheth you, Israel, toucheth the apple of his eye. And world empires in the past, ladies and gentlemen, had to final Genesis twelve three the hard way. Instead of blessing Israel, they cursed Israel. They tried to eradicate the Jews off the face of the earth. And these empires today are in nothing but shambles. Now, God calls Abram from Ur of the Chaldees. So we start off here, Ur of the Chaldees, okay? This is the Persian Gulf. And this is Ur, which is in what is today southern Iraq. Southern Iraq, that's what have been the area of Babylon. So we know Abram comes from here. Now, based on Joshua chapter 24, verse number 2, Abram's family are a bunch of pagans, they're idolaters, they are idol worshipers. And God zeroes in out of all that family on one individual, Abram. He said, I want you to get out of Ur. Make your way to the land that I will show thee. So Abram does exactly that. So he starts off here at Ur. He goes all the way up the fertile crescent. Makes a brief pit stop at Haran, which is in the area today of Syria. Then he drops all the way down south to where? Canaan, which is today? modern-day Israel. And it is there that God establishes his covenant promises with Abram, then he confirms it to Isaac, and then later on to Jacob, through Jacob's 12 sons, through the line of the David kings, that will lead up to the coming of the promise of Israel's Messiah. God brings Abram to a land that I will show thee. We are talking about the promised land, the land of milk and honey. Amen. Israel, the land of promise. Israel, the land of prophecy. Israel, in the future, the land of primacy. Because that is where the kingdom will emanate during the 1,000 year millennial kingdom reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes to the land of milk and honey and here God will call out a special people unto himself, the Jewish people. In verse number three, God is very clear. I will bless them that bless thee. And curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Bless Israel, get a blessing from God. Curse Israel, you're going to get cursed by God. And people today simply just don't learn their lesson anymore. They don't. After what Hamas did on October the 7th, butchering, murdering people in their homes. Men, women, children, babies infants, decapitating them, burning them alive in their cribs. And yet you got people protesting all over the world and even in America supporting these thugs. Because that's what they are. They're thugs. They're barbarians. They're butchers. They're murderers. And what they call America the great Satan and Israel the little Satan. When we were attacked, On 9-11, Islam showed their true colors. When we were attacked on 9-11, do you know what they did in the Palestinian Authority? Do you know what they did in the Gaza Strip? It was like the 4th of July, man. They shot fireworks into the sky. They were passing out chocolate bars and candies on the streets. They were shooting their uh, Kalashnikov rifles up in the air. Finally, somebody got to America. Somebody got to the great Satan. Do you know what was going on in Tel Aviv? Do you know what was going on in Jerusalem? I saw it as it was on TV. As it was going on in real time. Israelis were on the ground mourning, bawling, and crying for Americans. While they were partying in the Gaza. They were having a good time within the so-called West Bank. The so-called Palestinian authority. They were all rejoicing because somebody gave America the greatest superpower on the face of the someone gave America a black guy. Even today in Israel, they have a 9 11 memorial. When Israel was attacked on October 7th, you No know Benjamin Netanyahu said, Israel's prime minister, we just experienced our own 9 11 Israel mourned. They rejoiced in the Gaza. And yet today, you got all these supporters who are supporting Hamas. Like some of these congressmen. Like Rashida Tlaib. AOC. Ilhan Omar. Why do they continue to put these people back in office? It's absolutely beyond my comprehension. But yet you got these people that are supporting these Barbarians, who to them, life means nothing. They even use their own people as human shields in order to bring more negativity against Israel that's fighting for their very existence. I will bless those who bless thee. I will curse those who curse thee. All the families of the earth will be blessed. Why? Through Abraham, through Isaac, through Jacob, through the line of Davidic kings would come the Messiah of Israel and the Savior of the world. Amen. All the families of the earth will be blessed because today we have millions and millions and millions of born-again believers all over the world who have trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and personal Savior. That's the reason why we read in Matthew chapter 1. Let me see if I can zero in on this right here. Oh, let me see. Wrong one. There we go. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 1. Sefer, Toledot, Yeshua, HaMashiach, Ben David, Ben Abraham. Matthew 1, 1. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. What is Matthew, this first century Jewish apostle, saying right here? He is tracing the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ, tracing his ancestry Back to King David through the line of Davidic kings. Jesus is also a son of Abraham. And as a descendant of King David, Jesus Christ has every right in the future to sit on David's throne. Amen? Amen? Amen. And that's exactly what's going to happen, ladies and gentlemen. During what period? The kingdom. The millennial kingdom reign of Jesus Christ. That's Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the government that's political shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called and I love the Hebrew Paleo Etz wonderful counselor El Gibor the mighty God, Avi Ad, the everlasting Father, Sar Shalom. Everyone knows Shalom. Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace. Verse 7 tells us: Of the increase of his government in peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom shall he order it and establish it with justice and judgment from henceforth, even forever and ever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts shall perform this. God has promises to keep. Not only will he keep his promises to you as the church, He will also keep his promises to the nation of Israel. And the main crux of the promise is right there in the Abrahamic covenant. Genesis 12, 1-3. I will bless those who bless thee, and I will curse those who curse thee. Oh, by the way, Dr. Luke, chapter 1, 32 and 33 said this. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob, Israel forever, and of his kingdom, there shall be no end. I told you already, you can live 70, 80 years in American, but in the Holy Land, you're going to live 1,000 years in Israeli. Amen? Amen? During the millennial kingdom reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our home in the kingdom to come. Jesus Christ is also the fulfillment of the covenant promises made to Abraham here in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Abraham, the forefather of the Jewish people. Folks, the warning of being cursed The warning of cursing, those who curse Israel, goes unheeded today. With the rise of anti-Semitism since October 7th, the rise of anti-Semitism, according to the FBI, has risen 330% globally. Globally. That is absolutely unbelievable. Jews are afraid to go out wearing a kippah. Or wearing a prayer shawl or a talit, as we have on our table over there. They're afraid to identify as Jews simply because of all the anti-Semitism that's going on out there right now. I believe recently here in Vermont, some guy shot a couple of, uh, what, three uh, Palestinians? Right? Shot them, no doubt related to what's going on out there in the Middle East right now. Violence is not the answer. I don't care what side you're on. Violence is not the answer. Preacher already said this. You know, everybody says, when will peace come to the Middle East? Well, peace ain't going to come by some politician. Right. It's going to come by the Tsar Shalom. It's going to come by the Prince of Peace himself, Yeshua HaMashiach ben David ben Abraham. Jesus the Messiah, the Son of David, the Son of Abraham. The Tsar Shalom himself will establish his peace there. From the city of peace, Yerushalayim. That's a beautiful Hebrew word, Yerushalayim. Can you say that with me? Oh, you said that perfectly, Yerushalayim. That's the city of Jerusalem. By the way, Jesus referred to Jerusalem in Matthew 5:35. No doubt, he said it in Hebrew. He said, Jerusalem, the city of the great king. Because one day the king of kings and the Lord of lords will reign from that very city. I'm talking one day the lion of the tribe of Judah, Revelation 5.5, will reign from that very city. And we're going to reign with him for 1,000 years, ladies and gentlemen, in the kingdom to come. I found this on the United with Israel website. It came out with an article. Those who bless, I will bless. The angel knew that those who bless the Jews will receive their own blessings from God. Hence, the angel thought, I don't need to give Jacob my name. I don't even need Jacob's blessing because I have already blessed him. With the change from Jacob the deceiver to Israel, a prince with God that article said those who bless the Jews will themselves be blessed it's God's promise so whether you're Jewish or not bless the Jews help the Jews associate with the Jews and you yourselves will reap the rewards again you don't have to agree with every politic that goes on in Israel but you do believe in the BIBLE right you do believe in the promises of the Abrahamic covenant. You do believe in the promises of the Davidic covenant. What's the Davidic covenant? The promises that God made to King David. Melech David. King David. And what was those promises? One day, David, one of your descendants in the future will sit on your throne. That takes you back to 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 16. God said to David, Thy throne and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee, thy throne shall be established forever. And based on uh, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, Luke 1, 32, and 33, one man and one man alone, a Jew, a rabbi, will sit on David's throne who has every right to be king. And that's Yeshua. You know who Yeshua is, right? That's Hebrew for salvation. That was his first century Jewish birth name. Yeshua, Matthew 1, 21. They shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And as I said already, folks, world empires found out the hard way, the consequences of cursing the Jews in an attempt to eradicate them from the earth. Empires that are long gone. But Israel's still here. Where's the... uh, mighty Egyptian empire? Where's the mighty Assyrian empire? Where's the mighty Babylonian empire? Where's the mighty Medo-Persian empire? Where's the mighty Grecian empire? Even better, where's the mighty Roman empire? I'll tell you where they are. In ashes. In ruins. But guess who's still here? The Jews. And guess what land is established in the Middle East since 1948? The state of Israel. Adolf Hitler systematically murdered 6 million Jews during World War II. Where's Adolf Hitler today? Dead. But guess who's still here? The Jewish people. Someone asked me this question with Brother August. What if the Holocaust did not happen during World War II? What if Hitler did not kill 6 million Jews? What would be the Jewish population today? Right now, the Jewish population worldwide stands at 14 million. If the Holocaust did not take place, there would be 32 million Jews today if it wasn't for the Holocaust. But it's down to 14 million Jews with about maybe 9.5 million in Israel today. Where's Hitler? He's gone. But the Jews are still here. Where's Saddam insane today? When he fired Scud missiles, on Tel Aviv during the Persian Gulf War between 1990 and 1991. He's gone, but guess who's still here? The Jews. Why? God has promises to keep. But we know according to the Bible prophecy, Satan will make one final attempt to eradicate the Jewish people off the face of the earth. He doesn't understand the concept of Genesis 12.3. I'll bless those who bless thee. That goes for him too. Not just for mortals. That goes for him too. I will bless those who bless thee, and I will curse those who curse thee. Satan in the future will use the revived Roman Empire and his man whom he will one day energize to be the beast out of Revelation chapter 13 and verse number 1. We are talking about the Antichrist to carry out the final solution. To wipe all the Jews off the face of the earth. Let's tie it all together before we belly ship, amen. Let's go to uh, Revelation chapter number 12. The last book of the Bible will tie it all together, okay? Um, Revelation chapter number 12. Look at the attempt here the attempt to wipe the Jews off the face of the earth. Revelation chapter number 12. And uh, you'll see this attempt in Revelation 12 as the dragon seeks to annihilate the woman. Now, there are two women in the book of Revelation. The woman that you see here in Revelation chapter 12 is Israel. We know it's Israel based out of Genesis 37 verses 9 through 10. Again, you've got to apply inductive Bible study to get more information here. The woman here is Israel. The other woman you find in the Bible is in Revelation chapter 17 that's not Israel. That's the false church. She sits on a seven hill city in Rome. And she's been there for almost 1,500 years. This false church will be in cahoots with the Antichrist in order to establish a one world religion and a one world government. Human government combined with false religion. We see that in Revelation chapter 17, but I don't have a whole lot of time to develop that right now. Look at verse number 1 of Revelation 12. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her had a crown of 12 stars. Again, that takes you back to Genesis 37, verses 9 through 10. And she, the woman being with child, cried travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. She's about to give birth. Who does she give birth to? Look at verse number 3. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, that's Satan, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Satan tried to kill Jesus Christ at his birth. And who did he use? Herod. Remember Herod? He was called Herod the Great. Why was he called Herod the Great? Not because he was a great guy. He was far from being a great guy. Guy was a butcher, man. He was an ancient Hamas, if you will. The moment he heard news of a Jew being born in Bethlehem, they're already calling this guy king of the Jews. I'm the king of the Jews. The Romans gave me that designation. Who's this kid think he is? Hey, wise men, get over here. Tell me where he's born so I can go there and worship him. You liar you want to kill the son of God we all know the rest of that story right wise men don't go back to Herod Herod's furious what does he do he orders all male children two years old and younger butchered just like Hamas did on October the 7th butchering the babies nothing's changed in almost two thousand years look at verse number 5. And she brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. In verse number 5, we see the ascension of Jesus. uh, Actually, we see uh, the the rule of Jesus Christ in the kingdom and his ascension caught up unto God. That's recorded in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 9. Well, we know what's going to happen at the end of the tribulation period, right? Daniel tells us what's going to happen. Actually, to be specific, Daniel chapter 2, 34 and 35, tells us exactly what's going to happen. We've got the rapture of the church. Following that, seven-year period of tribulation. Following that, the second coming of Jesus Christ back to this earth. And Daniel tells us in Daniel chapter 2, verses 34 and 35. I'm paraphrasing here. I saw a stone come down from heaven. That stone crushed or struck the ten toes of the image. And then that stone becomes a great mountain filling the whole entire earth. That was a dream that Nebuchadnezzar had in Daniel chapter number 2. The head of gold, Babylon, no more. Breast and arms of silver, Medo-Persia, no more. A belly and thighs of brass, Grecian Empire, no more. The legs of iron, Roman Empire, no more. But guess what's forming right now as we speak? The ten toes. A final ten toes nation confederacy. I believe it's being fulfilled in the European Union right now. A final, I wrote a book on it, the revived Roman Empire that's available on our table. The European Union was foretold to be the embryo, the infrastructure for the revival of the Roman Empire. And it will be that final ten toes or the final ten horn revived Roman Empire that will seek to make war with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ comes down from heaven and he will crush the final ten Toes. And then that stone becomes a great mountain filling the whole entire earth, a reference to the millennial kingdom reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You're looking at a second coming passage. You compare Daniel 2, 34-35 with Revelation 19, through 16 What did John say? I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness doth the judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. Upon his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And by the way, this is where you come in, church. Verse 14. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen white and clean the army that was raptured seven years earlier coming back with him seven years later out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that whether he should smite the nations he shall rule them with a rod of iron and he treaded the winepress and the fiercest and the wrath of almighty God and upon his vesture and upon his thigh was a name written King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that's why Jesus said of Jerusalem in Matthew 5.35 Jerusalem the city of the great king because he's going to reign From that very city as the king of kings and the lord of lords. Hey, before you can have the kingdom, before you can have a second coming, before you can have a seven-year period of tribulation, the next main event on God's calendar of activities, the rapture of the church. And what did Paul say about this event? As he would say throughout his Pauline epistles, don't be ignorant. That's what he said. <laughs> don't be ignorant. First Thessalonians 4, 13-18, and I close on that verse. For I will not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so also them which sleep in Jesus, will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, shofar, trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain, caught up, haparzo, caught up, rapturo, then we which are alive in men shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore? Talk to me. Comfort. One another. With these words. Why? Y'all ain't going to be here. I know we're in the north, but y'all ain't going to be here. We're out of here. We're gone, man. He's taken us. To the Father's house. That's why Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. That's why Paul said, comfort one another with these words. Because of this event right here. The next main event on God's calendar of activities we call the rapture of the church. So keep your ear hold on. Keep looking up. And pray. Maranatha. Everyone say that. Maranatha. Even so come, Lord Jesus. And faster than you can blink the human eye. Bye-bye. See you later, world. Nice knowing you. Not. Nah. <laughs> Let me try past this so far. Let me try this for me. It's like a Fred Flintstone, doesn't it? Before. I don't know, this might be a challenge here, preacher. Let me try. Either way, we're out of here. (laughs) What a day, glorious day, that is going to be. What am I telling you? Stage is set. Actors are getting into position. The curtain is about to go up on the end time drama. Up next, the rapture of the church. What if it was right now? Would Calvary Baptist Church be completely empty at the rapture? Or would some of you still be sitting in your seats left behind at the rapture? If there's doubt in that head of yours, settle that right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to be dismissed. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you're saying, August, I do not have the assurance of going to heaven when I die, I'm not ready. If I was to die right now, I'd probably split hell wide open. Or if the real shofar was a sound, I would be the only one sitting in the pew at Calvary Baptist Church left behind. August, I don't want to be left behind. And I don't want to go to hell for the rest of eternity. But I need to be saved. Would you pray for me, August, this morning? Pastor Gangwell, would you pray for me that I would get saved? If we're, if we're talking to you, just simply slip your hand up and put it down. I, I don't need to know your name. And we're not here to embarrass anybody. I just want to pray for you. Pastor Gangler wants to pray for you. This church wants to pray for you. You're at the right place at the right time. No accident that you're here this morning. No accident at all. If that's you, just slip your hand up and put it down. August, pray for me. I need to be saved. I want to be ready. I want to be ready. Anybody at all? Anybody? Okay, let me ask you this then. If you are saved... Born again, washed by the blood, you know you're ready to go. Whether by death or by rapture, you know you're ready. If you're saved, would you raise your hand as a testimony? I'm saved, August. I'm ready. If you're saved, I want to see your hands. If you're not saved, don't raise your hands, okay? But if you're saved, I want to see your hands there. Come on. Only a few people here that are saved, huh? Okay? All right, okay. We see more hands going up there. Praise the Lord. Thank you, thank you. You can put those hands down. Listen, talk to Pastor Gangra. Please talk to me. But don't walk out of here lost. Because tomorrow might be too late. Heavenly Father, thank you again for your word. I will bless those who bless thee, and I will curse those who curse thee. Lord, there's a reason why you changed Jacob's name from supplanter to prince with God. And Lord, there was a reason why you called him Israel. Because that is where the kingdom will emanate from the Millennial Kingdom, that 1,000-year period. Israel will be a light to the nations. Jerusalem, the capital of planet Earth. And Father, I pray that as we race ever so close to the rapture, would you please help us to be soul winners, to be astute students of the Word of God, and to keep looking up, praying Maranatha, even so, come, Lord Jesus. For it's in his precious name we ask these things. Amen. 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 Oh, preacher disappeared. He didn't get around. Oh, he's right there. I put him